0: Those of you that don't know me, my name is Rick Sherman. It is my privilege to be up here from time to time preaching God's Word. Today we are starting a new series on the book of Jeremiah, and I have been tasked with talking about Jeremiah the man. So I've been thinking, but, but a man. You know, I grew up in a, in a church far away from here, and there was a gentleman in that church that said, you know, you're not a real man until you weigh 250 pounds. <laughs> By that standard, I've never been a real man. So I thought, well, a man. Well... Where else would we want to go for truth but Hollywood? I need someone under 30 to answer this question. Who, who do we have here? Okay. Impressive. You got it. The Duke, John Wayne. A little more recently, actually good advice. I'm not sure it's from the best source, the Godfather, but it is good advice. How about this for a man? A little more recently, the most interesting man in the world. How about real close to home, last year's hit movie? So those I put in the Google machine. And then I outsmarted myself. And I typed into the Google machine, 2022 man. Man. Something's changed. <laughs> Today we're going to talk about Jeremiah, the man. Obviously different than any of those gentlemen I showed on the screen. Before we go to God's word, let's pause for a moment of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, you've uh, we've wet our appetites this morning here to hear more from you. We thank you for your word, God. You have satisfied our physical appetite many times this week, but now we pray that our spiritual appetite would just grow more and more with a hunger to hear from you. Thank you for being the God who could multiply the loaves and the fishes, and thank you for multiplying your word into Rick's heart as he studied, and I pray that now it would multiply into our lives. Lord, let us sit at your table and let us be equipped to go out. Let us be taught to follow you. Give us what we need, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you. So this is a new series, it's a quick series, it's only four parts. Jeremiah the Man, which I've been tasked with today, Jeremiah Ministry Past, which Micah will tackle next week, Jeremiah Lament, Nate Shaver, if he's back, will preach on that in two weeks' time, and then Ministry Future, Doug will preach on that. Now there's 52 chapters in Jeremiah, so I thought if I just spend one minute per chapter and then do a quick summation at the end, then we'll be out of here in about an hour. Jeremiah the man. Today is a little bit of history and theology. Hopefully I can bring you along with that. Because for me, as this four-part series unpacks, I think a little bit of my job today is really to set the table and kind of paint the backdrop in broad terms. So I'm going to paint a little bit in broad strokes today, but I want to give us a picture of Jeremiah the man. Um, Who was Jeremiah? Page 627 in your pew Bible. We will reference some other scriptures, but we are going to stick in the book of Jeremiah. So page 627 in your pew Bible. Jeremiah was the son of Hilkiah. He was a priest of Anathoth, of the tribe of Benjamin. So in broad terms, Jeremiah was born into the priesthood. The state of the union. We're having ours on Tuesday night. State of the union. What is the state of the union? What is Jeremiah's life? What are the circumstances going on? Jeremiah is appointed uh, to be a prophet in the 13th year of King Josiah. Some people want to argue about dates. I'm not going to get into date thing, but I'm going to date stamp that at 629 B.C., Josiah was a good king, but he followed the reign of Manasseh, who I believe was Israel's Judah's longest-serving king, fifty-five years. And succinctly put, in two Chronicles thirty-three nine, Manasseh led Judah astray. Manasseh was followed by his son Ammon, who was as evil as his father. In Jeremiah two thirteen, let's read that verse while you're there. Jeremiah two thirteen. This succinctly is the state of the union. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. While Josiah was a good king, he's been unable to turn the rudder of the nation. The state of the union here is not good. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. We are going to backtrack slightly in Jeremiah 1. I want to pick a few verses out of there. That's Jeremiah 1. We're going to read verses 4, 9 and 10, and 17 and 19. Heading here, the call of Jeremiah. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Skipping down to verse 9. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See today, I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Scrolling down to verse 17. Get yourself ready. Stand up and say to them whatever I command you. Do not be terrified by them, or I will terrify you before them. Today I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but you, but will not overcome you. For I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Jeremiah is called a prophet to Israel and the nations. Jeremiah is called to uproot and tear down. And I wonder sometimes if we don't focus exclusively on that and miss that he is also called to build up and to plant. Jeremiah is read. Daniel in captivity was quoting Jeremiah. We're talking about Jeremiah today. Jeremiah's um, ministry goes to this day. Be aware. Verse 17. You're going to have some challenges and opposition. I'm a sarcastic man by nature. You're going to have some. Just some, Jeremiah. Just the king. Just the government, his officials. Just the priests. And just all the people. We're just going to have some opposition. Get ready. Get yourself ready. I have a question. Are you signing up for this task? Are you signing up for this task? You're just going to have a little opposition. Just everybody. From the smallest guy to the king. And everyone in between. Just some. Don't be afraid. If you remember nothing else today... Jeremiah 119, they will fight against you, but you will overcome. They will fight against you, but you will overcome. The ministry, Jeremiah's ministry, I think I put that in the bulletin. Uh, The notes have taken a little bit of a change this week. Jeremiah's ministry, his most famous sermon, we're going to read it. It is in Jeremiah chapter 7, 1 through 15. Uh, Normally, when I get up here, I really prefer to speak expository. I like to read a passage and stay in it. Um, With the ability to try and cover the entire book of Jeremiah, we're not going to do that. But I want to read this sermon to put it in your brain because this is Jeremiah's ministry again and again. It's basically repeating this sermon. It's Jeremiah 7, 1 through 15. This is the word That came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Stand at the gate of the Lord's house and there proclaim this message. Hear the word of the Lord, all you people of Judah, who come through these gates to worship the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Reform your ways and your actions, and I will let you live in this place. Do not trust in deceptive words and say, this is the temple of the Lord the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. If you really change your ways and your actions and deal with each other justly, if you do not oppress the alien, the fatherless, or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not follow other gods to your own harm, then I will let you live in this place, in the land I gave your forefathers, forever and ever. But look, You are trusting in deceptive words that are worthless. Will you steal and murder, commit adultery, perjury, burn incense to Baal, and follow other gods you have not known? And then come and stand before me in this house, which bears my name, and say, we are safe, safe to do all these detestable things. Has this house, which bears my name, become a den of robbers to you? but I have been watching, declares the Lord. Go now to the place in Shiloh where I first made my dwelling for my name and see what I did to it, because the wickedness of my people Israel. While you were doing all these things, declares the Lord, I spoke to you again and again, but you did not listen. I called you, but you did not answer. Therefore, what I did to Shiloh, I will now do to the house that bears my name the temple you trust in, the place I gave to you and your fathers. I will thrust you from my presence just as I did all your brothers, the people of Ephraim. Society was completely broken and Jeremiah preaches this message. It's not a very upbeat message, is it? Turn around, repent, it's interesting to me, I don't want to get political up here, but society, this society was godless and they'd strayed from God, and who pays the biggest price? The most vulnerable in society pays the biggest price when we stray from God. But they worshipped God. Did you catch the repeat in there? The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. That is what the people were doing. They come to the temple of the Lord. And I'm not picking on any religion but it doesn't matter what happens inside these four walls, and let me explain to you that. You can't just live your life outside of here as you wish, and then come to the temple of the Lord for an hour on Sunday, and then it's okay. That's what these people were doing. They come to the temple of the Lord. Oh, we're coming to worship at the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, temple of the Lord. Outside, these people were worshiping Baal and other gods to the point of child sacrifice. But they were coming to the temple of the Lord, and they thought that that was Okay, and good enough. And Jeremiah repeats this message basically for 40 or 50 years to these people. It's not okay. You need to turn from your wicked ways. This was Jeremiah's ministry repeatedly to the leaders. Three chapters of woe and grief. Jeremiah, the book itself, is not written chronologically, so it's a little bit hard to follow if you just read it through. Three chapters of woe and grief, chapters 21, 22, 23. Culminating in the captivity. As Jeremiah predicted, they are taken under Babylonian captivity. Again, I'm not, for the purposes of this, I'm going with the early theory, 607 B.C., if you remember, Jeremiah was appointed in 627, so in the 20-year range afterwards, Jeremiah's prophecies and predictions come true, and Judah, Israel, is taken into captivity. Chapter 25, verses, I'll take a few verses out of there. Verses 3, 4, 8, and 11 in chapter 25. For 23 years, from the 13th year of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah, until this very day, the word of the Lord has come to me, and I have spoken to you again and again, but you have not listened. And though the Lord has sent all his servants, the prophets, to you again and again, you have not listened or paid any attention. Verse 8, Therefore the Lord Almighty says this, Because you have not listened to my words, I will summon all the peoples of the north, and my servant Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, declares the Lord, and I will bring them against this land and its inhabitants, and against all the surrounding nations. Verse 11, The whole country will become a desolate wasteland, And these nations will serve the king of Babylon 70 years. 23 years Jeremiah preached it. God gave them ample opportunities, not just Jeremiah. He references here, he sent the prophets before, but now they're paying the price. 70 years of captivity. God's word came true. It always does. It always does. You can get away with something for days and years and years, but God's word always comes true in the end. How did things go for Jeremiah? How did things go for Jeremiah? Jeremiah was put in the stocks. This is a brief overview of Jeremiah's life. You're familiar with the stocks. Kind of like the picture of the guillotine where your head is in and your, and your wrists are, are locked in. Jeremiah is put there in the public square. No doubt for ridicule. Walk by, spit in his face, slap him. Hey, Jeremiah, how's that God thing going? Thought he was going to take care of us. We're doing pretty good. You're here in the stocks. Interestingly enough, who put Jeremiah in the stocks? The king? No. Government? No. Another priest? Jeremiah avoided an assassination plot, chapter 26. Jeremiah at one point found himself in a dungeon or a muddy cistern down into the earth, had to be taken out. Jeremiah was kidnapped later in life, carried to Egypt forcibly against his will. How are things going for Jeremiah? Jeremiah, neighbors left him, family Priests and prophets. Jeremiah's biggest battles were against priests and prophets. Hananiah 1 that comes to mind. Everyone was against him. Jeremiah's friends, none. All the people against him. More than one battle with a king. How things going for Jeremiah? The results. This is in your notes. If you notice, it's all the way at the bottom. You might not have seen it. I'll give you a minute to write down. These are the results. Those are the results. (laughs) In human terms, these are the results. These are the fruits of Jeremiah's ministry right here. Jeremiah 15.10. Let's read that. Jeremiah 15:10 Alas my mother that you gave me birth a man with whom the whole land strives and contends I have neither lent nor borrowed yet everyone curses me Jeremiah lamenting the day he was born 20 plus years into his ministry no results now in captivity Jeremiah 20 Jeremiah wants to quit Flip with me to Jeremiah 20. Jeremiah 20. We'll read, picking it up in chapter... In Jeremiah 20, I'm sorry, verse 7. I'll take that back. We're going to pick it up in verse 8. Jeremiah 20, verse 8. Whenever I speak, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction... So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. But if I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. Jeremiah wants to quit. Can you blame him? But he can't. Did you read that in Jeremiah 20? He can't, because God's word is in his heart. It's in his bones. He can't quit. In the midst of his deep sorrow, cursing the day he was born, he says, I don't want to do this anymore. God, I want to quit. I want out. But he can't, because God's word is in his heart. It's in his bones. How beautiful is that? Jeremiah 29, we read it going back to Jeremiah 1, 19 they will fight against you but you will overcome patience and perseverance in the bulletin i have a question how quick do you give up this hit me hard how quick do you give up when i looked at jeremiah's life i have some strengths on earth perseverance and patience not on the list not, even, not on the top of the list, not even on the list. How quick do we give up the fight? I don't know if it's the best example of what we'd overturn Roe v. Wade last year in this country, didn't we? Did you ever think that would happen? 50 years. How quick do we give up? How quick do I give up? You praying for anybody? Have you been a wayward child, maybe a family member, maybe something that's on your heart? how long you do that day week month couple years how quick do you give up i'm preaching to me this word is for me how quick do i give up jeremiah 40 50 years no results no quit no give up he's rejected by everyone No fruit or converts. Five decades of service. In chapters 26 through 45, Jeremiah predominantly talks about judgment against Israel. But wedged in there is chapters 30 through 33, is hope for Israel. In chapters 45 through 51, Jeremiah talks about judgment. A little bit of hope, but predominantly judgment against the nations. But Jeremiah never gave up how quick do you give up Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet Jeremiah 9 verse 1 Jeremiah 9:1 Oh that my head were a spring of water and my eyes a fountain of tears I would weep day and night for the slain of my people. Can I see things like Jeremiah sees things, like he saw things? When I see the solicitor outside within easy walking distance of six fast food restaurants that is panhandling for money, what do I see? Can I see things? Like Jesus sees them? Can I see, sorry, can I see a lost soul that Jesus loves and died for? Or do I get annoyed and think, why can't this person get a job? There's hiring signs all around. Can I see things like Jesus sees them? I follow a lot of politics, a lot of news. When I see so and so, I'm not going to pick a name. And I know that they are on a platform that is against God. And it is against what the Bible stands for. My natural reaction is to rise up in righteous anger, right? And why does this person have a microphone? Why does this person have 20 million followers on on TikTok or Twitter and all that stuff I'm not on? Why? Why, God, do you give this person a platform? And I'm mad. Can I see things like Jeremiah saw? Can I see things like Jesus That's a lost soul that needs the Lord. That's a lost soul that needs the Lord, that Jesus died for. I prefer to stay with my righteous anger. Can I see things like Jesus sees them? Can I pray for these people? You know, we do a great job, generally speaking, as Christians, praying for our own. and We pray intensely, and we pray deeply. The fair family recently, people that are ill, um, people that have gone through different things. Do you ever pray for your enemies? Your personal enemies or enemies of God? Ever? Once maybe for a minute or two? You play routinely for people that are against. We serve a powerful God. He can change things. We don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against powers and principalities. Are we praying for God to intervene? Not just in a person's life but to intervene in our country, to intervene in that person perhaps, but on a spiritual level. Can we do that? Are we doing it? I thought of the Supreme Court. When do we pray for them? Only when they're up for um, a vote or a nomination. We're praying for the Supreme Court. Those are important people. There's a spiritual battle going on. We pray for enemies. Jeremiah was carrying two loads. Jeremiah was carrying the load we discussed of human speaking in terms of rejection. But Jeremiah, why did he want to weep? Because he saw what God sees. He saw people that were rejecting God and rejecting him. But he saw the punishment that was coming to them. Eternity without God. They will fight against you. But you will overcome. God is faithful. Forever. We sang that song uh, that God will not forsake us right before today in worship. God will not forsake us. How quick do you give up? Are you praying for people? Are you faithful? How long are you going to stay in it? Jeremiah is a wonderful example. I see some parallels between Jeremiah and Jesus. I don't think too much of a stretch here in any of these. Called by God. Jeremiah and Jesus, Jeremiah 1, four, Luke 19.10, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Nowhere to rest. Jeremiah bought a piece of property with his own money, paid good money for it. It was a horrible idea. When I say it was a horrible idea, I'm talking humanly. That property was purchased by God, by Jeremiah, told God, told... let's start over. Jeremiah purchased a piece of property. God told him to. It was a horrible idea, humanly speaking. He spent good money on the property. It was in a war zone. Jeremiah never truly, I don't even know if he stepped foot on the property, but certainly never built a house and rested there. And Jesus said that the foxes have dens and the birds have nests. But he had nowhere to rest his head. Both rejected, no friends. Jeremiah, we talked about Jesus. The night of his, after Judas betrayed him, how'd Peter handle it? Where were the rest of the disciples? Bold to their foes. Who were Jeremiah's harshest words to? We read chapter 7. Jeremiah against the leaders, against the kings, against the priests. Boldly, never backing down on his message. Jesus, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Jesus' harsh words were not for sinners. They they wept. We just read Jeremiah 9.1. And Luke 19.41 is not Jesus weeping at Lazarus' death. Luke 19:41 is Jesus looking at Jerusalem and weeping because he saw their situation of their souls. They were lost. A message of God's love, Jeremiah 30 talked about those three chapters. John 3:16, we know that verse. That was their message. I wrote down here undaunted, unwavering, and relentless. They didn't quit. And a message of hope, ultimately a message of hope. Jeremiah's book is dark if you look at it, but in through that book, there is a tremendous message of hope, as there was in Jesus' ministry. We're going to close with a song, but I want to note here, it's interesting how the book of Jeremiah ends. I said it's not chronologically written, but it's 52 chapters. How does this book end? Does it end with Zedekiah, King Zedekiah? King Zedekiah is in Jeremiah 52, 52, uh, 1 through 11. He was not a good king. Call him a little bit of a troublemaker, perhaps. He was taken into captivity. How did Zedekiah's days end? About the last thing Zedekiah saw was the king of Babylon murdering his sons in front of him. And the reason that was the last thing Zedekiah saw, because shortly after that they gouged his eyes out. So for the rest of his days, Zedekiah's last memory that he saw was his sons being murdered. But that is not how the book of Jeremiah ends. Jeremiah ends in 52, 31 through 34. Same account as 2 Kings 25. With a story of this man. Jehoiakim, there's a few people in the Bible that are named similarly. Some would called Jeconiah. He was also a king. He was also under captivity in Babylon. But if you read that text, he found favor with the captor king. And he was no longer in prison. And he exchanged his prison clothes for regular clothes. And he would eat at the king's table. And he was given an allowance by the king, his captor. Hope. Hope. There's hope. This king was captured, but he was treated well and he was treated fairly. And interestingly enough, Jeconiah, you'll find him in Matthew 1. In Jesus' genealogy. Hope. There's always hope with God. We have hope in one reason, that's Jesus, and that's through his blood.